We are about to um, start a new series this year um, called Made New, and we're going to look at a new faith, a new identity, and a new passion. But right now, this, this morning, we are going to be looking at being transformed by glory. I'm going to go into it in a moment. Um, but, uh, sorry, one thing I realized we need to say before I begin. Did you all get a little card as you came in? Did anyone not get one of those cards? If you didn't, just raise your hand. Ushers, if that's possible, if we could just get that to them. I think the ushers are out. Um, Ignatius, is it possible to get those cards, those Knowing God cards? Just keep your hands raised. Thank you. We can just pass those out to everyone. That would be great. So what those are, those are little cards that you're going to write those New Year's resolutions down. You know, every year we do New Year's resolutions, but I want us to focus on something different this year. I want us to look at ways that we can become closer to God, ways that we can bring our lives more under His Lordship, more in line with His purposes for us and for our families. And in so doing, we're going to trust together that each one of these things are going to be a part of your life and that you're going to see great fruit in them. I want to ask you to make some faith goals. So I'm believing that uh, in 2017, my finances will come in order, that I'll be completely out of debt, that I will be able to give above and beyond my 10% is perhaps a, a faith goal. I'm believing that everyone in my family would be saved, another great faith goal. I'm believing that I'm going to start a business, get married, whatever those particular things are. I'm going to ask that you would, you would put those down, and I, then I'm going to ask you that you go to your connect groups when connect groups start up in February you take those cards with you that you guys pray over them. And periodically during the year, you bring them out and say, where are we? How are we on track for these faith goals? And I, I am believing that by the end of the year, you will be able to look at each of those faith goals and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you brought each one to pass. So when you are doing your faith goals, don't just sit there and say, oh, what would be nice? As you're going through this week of prayer and fasting, take some time to pray and say, God, what are you... What, what can I partner with you to bring to pass this year? What are you doing in my life? What are your goals and your aims for me this year? And I can write those things down and so that we can see them come to pass together. Amen. Awesome. Lord, I just pray that as we continue with this preaching series, that you would come and speak to our hearts, that you would, you would deliver us from fear and anxiety for this year, Lord God, that this year would be filled with something spectacular, Lord God. Father God, we offer ourselves again to you, Lord God, and we acknowledge that you are the creator of the universe, Lord God, that you have established your order and your kingdom on this earth through us, Lord God, and are busy growing it in every way. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. So, um, Andrew mentioned something about an open vision. I didn't have an open vision. I just want to say that. But I, it came pretty close. I had an open dream. So I'm, <laughs> I'm busy praying about the, the year. I go to sleep one night. I, I wake in the middle of the night. I have this dream. And in this dream, there's a, a storm and there are flashes of lightning and just an immense amount of thunder. And it's, it wasn't a real storm. We actually weren't having a storm that night. It was one of those nights that we weren't having a storm, one of those rare nights this last week. And in so doing, I just had this perception of God's presence and God's power. And I woke up and immediately, as, just before I woke up, a voice started speaking. And I woke up as the voice was speaking and the voice continued in my, in my mind. And um, 
God was speaking to me about breakthrough. I heard him say that this will be a year of breakthrough, that I am going to cause my goodness to strike at the heart of this nation, at the heart of your lives with my goodness, like lightning strikes. So my power and my goodness will strike into your life. I felt him say this, that there are many of us that have um, for for years been praying and believing for certain kinds of changes, certain kinds of breakthroughs, certain kinds of victories. And I feel like him saying that he has heard all those prayers. He has gathered them together. The Bible talks about this in Revelation, that he gathers those prayers as incense before him. And as they come before him, he returns with his power, with lightning. He strikes the earth with the answers. And I felt like this year that we were going to see spectacular breakthroughs in many areas of our lives. And, but I just want to say this to you. It's, it, for me, such an interesting thing about prophecy is that no prophecy is unconditional. His love is completely unconditional, but no prophecy is unconditional. All, all prophecy is predicated on the fact that we remain with him and we remain in his purposes. You know, the answers that God brings, you know how we have... We hear these stories of people having these magnificent breakthroughs in an instant. I promise you this, that every single one of them have years of labor and diligence and perseverance that came before that breakthrough. You know, someone was talking about a particular breakthrough that I've had recently, and they were saying to me this, and um, they, they were laughing a little bit about it, but it's so true, is that it's something that I've been believing God for for like 27 years, and and he's, he turned to me and he said, gosh, that breakthrough that you got, that it took you 27 years to have an instant breakthrough. <laughs> but, you know, I feel like this is so true, is that there are so many things that you have been laboring through. But I, I feel like God wants to commend you on that. Yeah. To say, I've seen your faithfulness. I've seen your diligence. I've seen you persevere in those things. And I'm going to come to pour out my blessing. I'm going to partner with that faith that you have been exercising over the years. And I'm going to put my power, mix it with your diligence, and we are going to see a breakthrough. And I feel like this year you are going to be surprised by his goodness. You're going to be surprised by his goodness. That he's going to come in and he's going to sweep away those years of pain and sorrow and those tears that you've prayed and cried to him over those things. He's going to come and wipe those away and say, my breakthrough is here. Amen, amen, amen. I know we, as we sit as a nation, yeah, give the Lord a hand. As we sit as a nation, as we sit as a nation on the, on the brink of something new. As we look at everything that's gone on in 2016, 2016 was one of those years where everything happened. <laughs> you remember? It's like if, if, if you have to talk about this year, oh, when did that happen? It was always in 2016. It's like 2016 is the right answer to any kind of calamity, crazy thing, interesting event. The answer is 2016. But as we've come through that year, I feel like it was almost a test for us as a nation, a test for us as our own hearts. Is what will we believe? Will we believe the chaos around us? Will we believe the difficulties around us? Or will we keep our eyes set on the God who answers? And I feel him commending the church in general in South Africa and us as individuals and saying, well done, my good and faithful servants. 
And I hear this, which is such a great thing. Enter into the joy of your master. Enter into the joy of your master. What does that mean? It means step out of the pain and difficulty of what you have. Receive the knowledge that I'm with you. Live in the joy of the moment because I am here. Amen. So let's look at Luke 9, 27 and 33. Such a great, great scripture. I've got lightning strikes all over my presentation today because a prophetic statement of the victory that you're going to experience today and the year. So the, the scripture is Luke 9, 27 and 33. Yeah, Andrew's saying is telling me that we need to go Luke over at Luke. Thank you, darling. Thanks for keeping this fresh and alive. We're a, we're a team. He's the humorous part. <laughs> I was going to say I'm the profound part, but that would be a very big insult to him, so that's not true. I can be funny and he can be profound. It's a good mixture. Great. As we're looking at that, it starts there and it says, I tell you the truth, Jesus speaking to his disciples, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. How do you feel about that statement? He's standing with his 12, and they're actually arguing about the cost of following Jesus. Not arguing. He's telling them, and they're looking astounded. It doesn't say that in the Bible, but if I heard that from someone, I'd be astounded. They're sitting around Jesus, having this teaching, and then he says to them, I'm telling you this that some of you are going to see my glory, are going to see the kingdom of God manifested. They were believing for, for some kind of physical manifestation of a kingdom where someone would come and give them untold riches, that uh, the Romans would be banished from their nation. They would be able to have this complete self-determination, live as they wanted, and just have a glorious life. That's the kind of kingdom they were believing for. And that, I mean, they must have been, oh my word, Really? You're saying that before we die, we're going to see this manifested in our nation. And Jesus says, yes. And then it goes on. And it's so great because we know that that didn't happen. Also, we know that some people, when they think about the kingdom of God being manifest on earth, they think about Jesus' second coming. That also didn't happen before the disciples died. But we know this, that Jesus didn't lie. What is so interesting is Luke, right after he's recorded the statement that no one, that some of them there will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God, he goes on and he says this. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. I knew this passage was for today. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. In other words, they were telling him how he was going to die. Jesus promised them the kingdom, and they thought they would see a governor and a ruler come riding into Jerusalem. Instead, Jesus showed them himself. They were looking for a political movement, and they found a man. They look, were looking for social upheaval, and they found a man. They found Jesus Christ in his glory. When he said you were going to see the kingdom, this is what he was alluding to, that he would stand on a mountain, and he would, he would kind of like take off his earth suit. 
And they would see his glory, the, the glory of God radiating out from him. And they would know that the kingdom of God is not to be found in a government system. It's not to be found in a social order. It's been found to be found in the man Jesus Christ ruling and reigning. It's to be found in the glory of God manifested on earth through people. They stood there looking at this ordinary person that they'd eaten with, slept with, walked with, talked with, and suddenly he was transformed into this this manifestation of power. At another time, his disciples asked Jesus, so when will we know that the end is coming? We will know that something, that it's the end of all times. And he said this, talking about his second coming, he said this, as you see the lightning strike in the east and from the west, you can see it cover the whole sky. In other words, from the east to the west, the, the brightness of that lightning strike is seen. So will the manifestation of my kingdom be. And I feel there's something about, not only this year, but the, as we draw in and we see Jesus in that way, that there becomes this manifestation of his power that can be seen everywhere. It can be seen in every part of your life. It can be seen in every sphere of society. It, it strikes in a way that no one can say, God hasn't been here. The scripture goes on and it says, Peter and his companions were very sleepy. Guys, how are you sleepy when there's this glowing man next to you? Anyway, Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving him, Jesus said to him, sorry, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Yes, it is. Let us put up three shelters, one for Moses, one for Elijah, he did not know what he was saying. I think Luke was being very kind. He knew he was going to write this story. He knew Peter was going to look like an absolute fool. So he said, kindly, oh, he didn't know what he was saying. Because, you know, although Peter was there, he wasn't really seeing what was happening. I mean, why was, it, why was this so crazy that he asked for shelters? It was part of the Jewish tradition, was part of one of the feasts that they did. They built these tabernacles, they called it. But in essence, it was crazy because, because he, he was putting Jesus right in the same place as Elijah and Moses. He was going to build tabernacles for Moses and Elijah and Jesus. In other words, he was saying, gosh, Jesus, you're just as awesome as Moses. Jesus, you're just as fantastic as Elijah. And later on, when he actually, it actually dawned on, on him who Jesus really was, it was like, oh my gosh, did I say that? Because Jesus is not like Elijah. He's not like Moses. This is Jesus we're talking about. God manifested in human form. This is the creator of the universe. This is the one through who words create worlds. This is the one who looks into your soul and sees everything. This is the one who never, never, never makes a mistake. This is the one from whom all goodness flows. This is the one who created not only 
the world, but he created you. He created your heart. He created your dreams. He created everything about you. This is the one with just the breath of his nostrils could obliterate the entire creation. Anything great done by Moses, anything great done by Elijah was inspired by this one. The story goes on and it finishes. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and enveloped them. And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son whom I love, who I, I have chosen. Listen to him. I bet they listened after that, I'm telling you. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The, the disciples kept this to themselves and told no one at that time what they had seen. Now, this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible because it's so spectacular. I mean, I just, I sometimes, I sometimes just think about what it would have been like to be there. We all have access to God's presence 24-7. But standing there on a mountain and seeing Jesus, like I said, pull back his earth suit and just say, here I am. Yeah. No, no holds barred. Is that the right way you're saying no bars hold? Yeah. No, he held no bars. <laughs> he kept nothing back. He just said, bam, psh, here I am. Yeah. And I mean... You know, the Bible talks about people who've seen God. They fell on their faces, trembling. It's like, don't kill me, don't kill me, don't kill me. Yeah. I mean, what would it have been like to stood there? I mean, how was Peter changed by that experience? How was he changed by that experience? There's one phrase, however, that just shook me when I was reading it. I alluded to it earlier. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory. You know, I just, I, I didn't, as I was reading, I didn't really know even what to think. Because here's Jesus manifesting this incredible amount of glory. They are right there, and it says, even though he was there, they had to become fully awake to see it. It's like the glory had to, like, dawn on them. I mean, his, his face is exuding lightning bolts, basically. And they had to, like, oh, pull themselves out of their stupor. Oh, look at that. Something like we all feel in the mornings as we drag ourselves down the passage and that first sip of coffee. Oh, yes. Got it, got it, got it. See the glory. I see the glory. But you know, it's a phenomenon throughout the Bible. Two men, after Jesus was resurrected, walked down the road and had an entire conversation with him where he explained the whole Bible to him, to them. And it says only at the end did they realize it was Jesus. How did that happen? I mean, this is Jesus. I'm convinced of this. Jesus could come and rock this nation. He could manifest his glory. He could, I'm riding into Joburg on a white horse, and there would be people who would say, what? And I know you think that's wild and crazy and strange. Like, how could that be? But you know what? There are some 
Spiritual things are discerned by spiritual hearts. And until we take our hearts and we allow them to be transformed into, into spiritual hearts, into allow ourselves to be transformed from purely natural human beings into the spiritual beings that we are meant to be. Until we come to a place where we allow God to peel our earth suits off and allow us to see what is really real. We won't notice the glory of God right next to us. And I believe some of the ways that God is going to bring the breakthroughs this this year is that he's going to peel away the scales from our eyes. He's going to peel away the, the... humanistic nonsense from our thinking. He's going to peel away the, the ungodly way of looking at life. He's going, to, he's going to reach deep into your goals and your visions for the year, and he's going to say, give that one up. Here's mine. He's going to reach deep into your value system and he's going to say, let it go. Here's mine. He's going to reach deep in your, to your priorities and he's going to say, ah, not so good. How about this one? Now, some of you have got them all right. You know, you've got your priorities right. You've got your values right. Gosh, you can keep those ones. But those few of us who like a little bit not so, not so sure, I mean, I have to ask myself, what are my greatest goals for this year? Seriously. Oh, that they are, I'm wealthy, that, that, I'm, that people think I'm awesome. You know, one, once, I'm going to tell you, this is going to be vulnerable. Is that okay? You know, you know, you know how our, um, our self-esteem is little, a little bit determined by the amount of likes we get on Facebook. I, know, I don't know. I don't know. How do you feel? How do you feel? Or Instagram or Twitter or whatever it is. And so I'm, I once made this post and I thought it was really profound. You know, I was like, gosh, gosh, people are going to really like this one. I made it and I got like three likes. And I was like, oh, maybe I posted it at the wrong time, you know. <laughs> I have to work out the system better. I'm sitting there and I'm praying. And I feel like the Lord said this to me. He said, You didn't become a Christian to be famous. You became a Christian to know me. (laughs) I was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah, okay, I get it, I get it, I get it. Mike's saying he liked my post. Thank you, Mike, thank you, Mike. You you, you actually disobeyed God because he was hiding that post so he could teach me that lesson, so Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) but what does wake up mean to come fully awake it means to pay attention I feel like this is a year when God is calling us to pay attention to pay attention to what's really true what's really right what's really important 
And guys, listen to me. I want you to be wealthy, really. I don't believe poverty has got any part in the kingdom. I don't believe God likes it. I don't think he made it. I don't think he, he wants it. But I'm saying this, that if you pursue it, you will never find it. That every good thing comes from God, and when we pursue him, every good thing comes. And primarily, our hearts have to be after the things that matter, the things that are true, the things that are eternal. Because I'm telling you this, 10 million years from now, you won't care what house you lived in. You will care how many people you spoke to about Jesus. You will care how much your life on earth reflected the glory of God. You will care how much you raised your children well. You will care how present you were to the people around you. You will care not how much money you gained, but how much money you gave. Come on. Amen. Yes. 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 Amen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can we pass those offering bags again? So the first thing I want to look up or talk about is, is, is we, when we come to pay attention are you paying attention? Great. Are you all paying attention? So we need to look at what we believe. Everyone has two belief systems, believe it or not. You have the one you present to the public, the one you bring out at church. And then you have your real one. You understand what I'm talking about? You have the nice-looking one. Well, you, you may have a couple, actually. You might have the one you bring out of church and the one you bring out of work. You know, it looks a bit different. The one you bring out with your secular party friends. <laughs> and then you have your real one. You know, that's the, the things you think about when no one's around and you're lying in bed at night. You have that real belief system. And here's the thing, it's that belief system. It's that deep down personal value system that drives your actions. And I'm telling you this, that, that if, if deep down, no matter what you say with your mouth, but if deep down you really believe that the most important thing in life is that people like you, it'll drive everything you do. Everything you do. You won't be able to make the hard decisions. You won't be able to stand on truth at the expense of losing favor with your mate. And you know, the, the list goes on. If your greatest value system or your, your belief is to be right, to be in charge, Gosh, you will never, ever, 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 ever admit you're wrong. It will drive everything. Martin, we know you've got this down. You know, depending on what that belief system deep down will determine whether you're willing to make the sacrifices for the kingdom. And I'm telling you this. I'm so sorry. I know, I know the gospel is good news, but I am going to tell you this part as well. 
because it is good news, it just doesn't always feel like good news, is that God is going to test what you really believe. Not because he doesn't know, but because you don't know. And he is going to bring circumstances to surround you that what is deep inside of you will come roaring to the surface. If your greatest value system is to be rich, I promise you this, someone somewhere in a very secret place where it can never be discovered will offer you a bribe. And I'm telling you this, God will make sure it happens. And he will test your heart, not to show him what's going on, but to show you. If your greatest belief is that I need to be happy, I need to be comfortable, I promise you this, I promise you this. Or I need my physical desires satisfied, I promise you, girls that look like they came off, I don't know, Baywatch, I don't know if you know that, are going to walk past you left, right and center. And, and God is going to test your heart. And stuff is going to come out and you're going to say, oh my word, where did that come from? And you know what the great thing is that us as a church, we're not going to say, oh, you bad, bad person. We're going to say, oh my gosh, look at that. Let's get free of that. Because <laughs> God doesn't do that to judge you. He does that to set you free. And when you find yourself behaving in ways that you know are not what, what the Bible has laid down as an example or what you even desire for your own life, the thing you have to say is, what do I really believe? What do I really believe? God. You know, it's like, it's like sometimes we invite God onto our porch of our lives. And we're very happy to go out there and have tea with them, even do a couple of drinks. You know, it's very nice to have him there. But at some stage, at some stage, he's going to knock on the door and he's going to come into every room, even into the basement. And he's going to plow through the values, the beliefs that are deep-seated there. And we are going to have to say, God, change us. And here's the great thing. is the sooner you allow him in, the harder it is and the Worse, the more directly it happens, but it's over. It's like cutting off a dog's tail. You can cut it off by inches, one inch at a time. Or you can just, bam, do it once. I know, we don't cut tail, dog's tails off, but there you go. But if you're going to have God dig up, if you're going to have God dig up your stuff, just let him do it, you know. Just say, okay, God, here I am. Give me your worst shot, your best shot, your most loving shot. Deal with the stuff and let's get it over with and let me go on free. Amen. Okay, let's, let's go on and get on to the good news. <laughs> Do you all feel the Holy Spirit just brooding over some things in your heart? Does anyone not? Because I'll continue. Anyone need me to say this more? Have you got it? Have you got it? Are you all good? Okay, great. This is the only reason congregations say amen is as a pastor, please move on. Amen. <laughs> but here's the great thing is that faith gives us access to God's presence. 
So when you get your beliefs right, when you start actually believing in a good God who is well able to save you, that you, you can let go of your own abilities to save yourself. You can say, oh God, you're going to be with me. You're gonna, I don't have to protect myself in every way. I can just rely on you. I can do my best and you will be there. What it does is it puts us right in the center of God's presence. The Bible says that by faith we enter into this grace in which we stand. Amen. Does that mean move on or stay here? (laughs) Faith positions us for answers to prayer. I love, I love, love, love this story. Luke 18. Story of the persistent widow. And she's going to this unjust judge, and she's wanting to get justice for a cause, and she's banging, and ah, he won't let her in. And finally, after much banging on his door in the middle of the night, he finally concedes reluctantly to help her. And we listen to that um, parable, and we say, oh my God, that means that we've got to bang on God's doors for hours and hours. But no, he's, what he's saying is he's saying, I'm not like that unjust judge. He says, I, the, minute, the minute your hand is just moving halfway to that door, he's already at the doorknob. But at the end of the parable, it says this. It's so profound. He says, nonetheless, he says, so so much more will God bring justice for his people. How much more than this unjust judge will God move on our behalf? But then it says this, nonetheless, nonetheless, will I find, will the Son of Man find faith on the earth when he comes? Why did he say that at the end of the parable? I'll tell you why. You knew I was going to say that. Funny you should ask. But the reason he says this is because it is possible for God to come and answer your every prayer and you not notice. Because your faith is in the wrong thing. You were looking in the wrong direction. You weren't paying attention. God, this year, I feel him just brooding over us. I say, pay attention, church, because I'm about to do a great thing. In your life, in the lives around you, pay attention. Be looking, be watching, be waiting. So that when it comes, you will be ready to run with it. And he says there, also it says there in Hebrews 11:3 that faith gives understanding. You know, when we, when we believe God, when we trust him, when we give our whole lives to him, things that were unclear before become clear. Remember all those questions you had before you gave your life to Jesus? Do you remember them? You don't even remember them. Why? Because when you, when you suddenly saw Jesus, knew him, understood him, they were immaterial. Why? Because faith brings understanding. When you believe, things fall into place. Understanding comes. Things become true and right and in their correct place. Faith is not a magic wand that we use to conjure up riches and a life of ease. It's a concrete, accessible way of looking at life that positions us to get the most out of every situation and to turn situations towards good for all. How do we grow our faith? If faith is so important, how do we get our faith and our belief system in the right place and how do we grow it? First of all, you read the promises in the Bible. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You speak them back to yourself. You dwell on them. You think about them. You make them your very bread and butter in your thinking. Let them be your go-to thing. When, thing when, when trouble comes, 
Let those scriptures be so in your mind that they, your mind is just pulled immediately to them. They're the first thing that comes out of your heart. How do we grow our faith? We listen to our prophetic words. Paul said to Timothy that he was supposed to fight the good fight, that he was to stand by virtue of the prophetic words that were given him. He was to use them as a weapon. Take out those prophetic words that you're given. When things are going rough, take them out and say, God, no, this is who you said I was. This is what you say I am. This is, I'm going to stand on that. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to persevere. I'm going to press in. Live in expectation of good to come. You know, I don't care what's happening in your life. I promise you this. God has good in store for you. And let's live in expectation of that. After he said, wake up, they began to, well, not after he said wake up. After they became fully awake, they were able to see his glory. Oh, sorry, I'm not even there yet. The next thing we want to pay attention is how we behave. I'll be quick on this. But we have to allow faith to drive our priorities. So in other words, this is what you have to do. You have to say, what do I, what do I believe? What are, what are the real beliefs that I have? Let, let them be conformed to the truth that is Jesus Christ. And from that place of having those right beliefs, let them drive my priorities. So when you are asked to um, work 24 hours a day, seven days a week, for five weeks straight, you're going to say to your boss, No. Why? Because my job is not my priority, my family is. When you lie in bed and you think, oh my gosh, I'll go to bed, work at 10 or 11, you're going to say no. Why? Because the kingdom coming through me is a priority over sleep. And therefore I'm get, going to get to work on time and I'm going to be excellent. I'm going to do what I was called to do and I'm going to do it well. Martin, you're so fantastic. You're so fantastic. It's a preacher's dream. Everyone, can we please go to Martin after the service for lessons on how to encourage a pastor? But you know, when, you, when you're sitting at... Work and someone offers you a shortcut, you're going to say no. Why? Because you've already set your priorities, and your priorities are first and foremost, I'm serving God. And He sees everything I do. Second of all, I'm loving my family. Third of all, I'm doing the work of the ministry. Before you are a lawyer, a doctor, whatever, you are a minister of the gospel. My life is going to reflect, reflect the values of the kingdom and I'm going to take time to share the gospel with the people around me. And next I'm going to be excellent in my work to display the kingdom of God in that arena. And then I'm going to look after the rest of the stuff. Is there anything left? I don't know after that, but anyway. When Jesus was asked what the two greatest commandments were, he said this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know, God just made our priorities for us. In case you were wondering what your priorities should be, there they are, bam. 
Love God, love people. Everything else is secondary. Everything else is a bonus. Everything else is extra. When they became fully awake, they saw his glory. There's a scripture in John 1 that says this, he was in the world and through, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. You know, I feel like I know I was born to live in God's presence because when I'm in God's presence, everything just feels good, right, whole, true, peaceful. And I know that's true of you too, that when God molded you, he molded you for a special place in his heart. There's a, there's a little excavation in his heart that looks just like you, where you fit perfectly. We were born for his presence. We were born to live in his presence. We were born to thrive in his presence. We were born to reflect his glory to the world around us. But you know, very often we're not used to living in his presence. And his presence seems foreign for us. But if we want to be the kind of people that actually change the world, that make a difference, that generations to come will look at us and say, that was the generation that brought in the victory. That was the generation that changed this, that changed that. We're going to have to be the generation that lives from God's presence. And the way we train ourselves to live in his presence is, first of all, we give him the best hour of our day. A lot has been said about quiet times. But sometimes we hear it so much that we actually become so familiar with it that we just discount it. But I can tell you that the best thing you will ever do is that you will choose an hour of the day and you will say, that's God's. Come hell or high water, that's God's. And that it would be the best hour of your day. So you don't give him the scraps. It's like, when am I most alive, awake, attentive? That's the hour I'm giving Jesus. The next thing that you're going to do is you're going to commit to talking through problems with him. It's as simple as that. You know that he has a solution to every issue that you face. I cannot tell you how many times. I mean, I feel like the most, the greatest challenge I ever faced was raising three children. If anyone thinks parenting is easy, planting churches, running nations is nothing compared to raising children. And sometimes I was left with this, Dilemma, you know, how do I do this? How do I cope? You know what the biggest problem with raising children was me? It was my temper, my irritation, my... And time after time, I would have to go to God and say, God, what do I do in this situation? And in a moment, he would give me something practical, so practical, that would just transform everything. No matter what you face with, he will do that. Tell him how you really feel. This is a really important thing is that we're so used to facades and presenting the right face to people that we do it with God too. And we only tell him all the nice things. And the problem is then he can never get down to the root of what the issue is. And so he's asking you, tell me what you really feel so we can deal with what you really feel, so we can change with what, what you really feel. Listen for his voice regularly because he's there. Expect that he will lead you. Trust that he is always with you and notice his presence. Have a little exercise, like have your phone go off every so often, a little alarm go off, 
And when it goes, oh, that's to remind me, God's here. Let me notice what he's doing, where he is. Amen. The great thing about God is never angry. He's never frustrated. He's never anxious. He always has a solution. 2017 is a year. You knew that. It was a year. 2017 is a year of breakthrough where his glory will be seen just as the lightning flashes across the sky. Position yourself to receive the full benefit of what he is doing by rekindling your faith in him, loving unwaveringly, and pursuing intimacy with him. Amen and amen. Lord, we thank you that you could all the time. We thank you that you, you never leave us. You never forsake us. Lord God, we thank you that this is going to be a year filled with truth and blessing and life. Lord God, I thank you that every single person here has a victory waiting for them today, tomorrow, the day after. Lord God, and I ask that you would cause us to become fully awake, to become attentive, to become alive to the things that really matter. Lord God, help us to notice your moving, your goodness in our everyday life. Lord God, we ask that miracles, signs and wonders would follow us. Lord God, we ask that we would be the solution to every problem that is faced by you coming through us, Lord God. I ask that you would lead us to people who need to know you. I pray that this year we would find the profound joy of drawing people closer to you. I pray that this year our lives would be so significant that in heaven they would shine like lightning, that we would display your glory here, but at the same time in heaven, Lord God, you would look at us and say, there is my son, there is my daughter. Look at them go. Father God, I ask that you would fill us and flood us with your presence. That on a daily basis, on a minute-by-minute basis, our hearts would be satisfied, full, whole. And from that place, we would be able to release your presence. Amen and amen and amen.